It's August 16, 2017, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. First up, we're going to hear about an upcoming screening of a film titled She Started It from Tiffany Casada of local startup Hobnob. And then we'll talk with Ryan Gonzo Gonzalez, Brian Kamauli. Uh, Kuwara and Jocelyn Makile Ishihara about the intersection of Aboriginal storytelling and video game design. But as promised, we first want to welcome Tiffany Quesada from Hobnob, who's coming back to the studio, but this time to talk about something in addition to Hobnob. Welcome back to the show. Aloha. Thanks for having me again. Now, this is an interesting uh, documentary that uh, is being, I guess, shown in the next couple of weeks. It's called she started it. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what this documentary is about. Absolutely. It's an award-winning documentary that outlines the story of five women who've built successful companies and their journey as an entrepreneur. So it's mm-hmm. really meant to aspire female entrepreneurs. The trailer looks fantastic. And I was just really excited because it's won so many awards from all these different film festivals to be able to watch and hear all of these other entrepreneur stories. And then as part of the, at the end of the 80-minute film, we'll be doing a fireside chat with me, a local female entrepreneur, to be able to get my perspectives on my journey. And then answer questions related to what we learned. Oh, in the yeah, film. you'd be a great representative of, you know, sort of this movement. And how did, do you know how this movie got picked? I mean, who started to kind of, gen- you know, the genesis of the idea of having this movie sh- be shown here? Well, Ellen Ng of Social Wahines had heard oh, about okay. the film, uh-huh. and she was just really excited and, of course, wanted to watch awesome. it herself. Yeah. So she contacted them and was able to get the rights to air it and be able to set up the screening. So it's really just out of one person's desire to want to watch the film herself and be able to coordinate this whole event around it. And I would say that this is probably an unintentionally a timely conversation. I mean, we're less than a couple of weeks out from a very controversial internal memo at Google talking about the efforts to increase diversity, both racial and gender, and whether or not these are well, you know, well-proven or well-regarded programs to increase that. And now it's sort of broadened that conversation because it dovetails from earlier debates about gender diversity and and other issues at companies like Uber. So from your perspective, you said we will hear of certainly the whole story or more of that story uh, as part of this this fireside chat. But what are your thoughts in terms of the, the currency of this, where we are today in terms of this conversation? Well, we're definitely not the norm as a company. We have two female co-founders and one Mexican-Latino co-founder. So we are all minorities in the co-founding team, which is extremely unusual. And then the rest of our team as well is very diverse. And I think that's a product of being out of Hawaii as well. You know, we have such a diverse population, so we're, it naturally our team is very diverse. And I think that it's just showing that we really need to have a greater perspective on, you know, what a female entrepreneur can do and show the next generation of females that, hey, you can be CEO. There's no reason that you can't be. You can start anything that you want. You know, as growing up here, you know, I never really considered entre- being an entrepreneur as a career path. It was always, you know, get a job, you know, work your way up, you know, the normal career path. It was never even really brought to my attention as a young girl that this could I could create my own thing. Mm -hmm. I could create my own culture. I could build a product I believed in and whatever I wanted to work on. And so I would know that even from just speaking locally with other young women who are in high school or just graduating college about my 
um, opportunities in my journey that they've really opened their horizons to see that they can really build whatever they want. They can solve the problems of today. And and really, I am very proud to be a part of our team and just the diversity that we have. It is one of our core values is diversity. And I know that just by setting the example that we can help other companies lay that foundation in their own staffing. Have you seen any, uh, in terms of the kind of makeup of the companies com- coming out of Hawaii, you know, whether they're coming out of Blue or Accelerate UH or some of the other accelerators, are there more sort of diversity in the complexion of the local startup scene versus, let's say, uh, the Bay Area? Definitely. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It is fundamentally different. You mm-hmm. know, even being in Blue Startups Cohort 1, there were four female co-founders. You know, and I think that that ratio was just unheard of in any, you know, accelerator even at that time to just have so many female co-founders and not only female, but also ethnically diverse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the startup I'm involved with, Smart Yields, all minority uh, co-founders, even the company I work for as my day job, Hawaii Information Service, female, Filipino, CEO, awesome. CEO, uh, Asian uh, woman, um, but when you think about whether Hawaii has something to share with the rest of the world in helping with this uh, embracing of the strengths that you can get from a diverse team, what tips could you give apart from be Hawaii? You know, I don't know if there's any you know tips I could give necessarily. It's just you know be true to who you are and be true to your past and who and who you are as an individual and just let that shine. You know, I don't think that I don't know if I could really maybe you can phrase the question a different way. Well, sure. I mean, w- w- you made a good point that because of Hawaii's own makeup, we were perhaps more likely to generate a diverse startup and business teams. But if you say and if you look at Google and say we want to be like that, what could they look to us for guidance apart from maybe opening a Google? office in Hawaii. Well, I wouldn't want them to recruit from here because there's an amazing talent here in Hawaii and we want them. (laughs) Um, You know, I think that it's just being... I think that's a very difficult question to answer. It's like, I think it's a problem a lot of these large companies are trying to solve. And I don't think I have a good answer for how they can solve their diversity problem with wanting to really open up the horizons to really anybody can do an excellent job in any field, in any job. And just having that foundation of understanding that it's not a particular gender or personality makeup or anything that makes you good at your job, it's you just are. And I think that being able to look at, you know, different, countries and different states when you're reaching out and looking for new hires and not like I could see as an employer not looking at a certain geographical area Mm -hmm. for a certain reason and you know just not letting those biases enter your head as you're looking for new employees and new people to join your team because it's really about building a great culture and that culture just comes from individuals that are fantastic. And certainly with this film screening and the idea of the fireside chat and Ellen's overall vision is there is certainly benefit to be gained by encouraging uh, women and young girls to be interested in being entrepreneurs and to forming startups and to taking their ideas and trying to make them a reality. Absolutely. You know, there's just so much opportunity to be able to share, you know, through example, you know, the difficult journey that it is to be an entrepreneur and really to not just paint this fuzzy picture of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. I think that for both men and women who are are thinking about it, it can be very glamorous to be a startup co-founder. And it really isn't. It's a roller coaster <laughs> ride. You know, it's about wanting getting on that roller coaster and not getting off and going through the ups and downs. And and really it 
it's it's very it's very challenging as an entrepreneur, but it is so fulfilling. It, there's nothing I would rather be doing with my career and with my life, and it is one of the greatest uh, rewards that I've received is being able to build something from nothing and to see it grow and to build a fantastic culture and an amazing team here in Hawaii where I'm from and to help give back to that ecosystem and to create jobs here. That has been extremely. Now you're going to be rewarding. on the spot as the uh, sort of the person. Basically, having all the questions be tossed at you doing the fireside chat. Uh, are you preparing for that by just the experience that you've gone through, or can you start to start maybe giving sharing us a little bit about how you might prepare for being sort of that? you know, that focus of everybody's attention? You know, it's, a, it's difficult to prepare without knowing the questions they're going to ask. You know, I think uh, they were going to set up a private chat on Hobnob so that we can talk about some of the questions ahead of time and be able to really, you know, get an idea of what people want to know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what they're interested in. I think a lot of questions will come out of the film, of course. You mm-hmm. know, it, it will spark things and memories of, of my journey that maybe I've blocked out <laughs> and don't really want to think about too much uh, because we do have an incredible story of what we went through and how we've gotten here. I can't believe I was thinking about it. It's been four years that we started with our very first company and, and a lot has happened in that time. It's almost like dog years. It doesn't feel like four, just four years. Yeah, great. So tell us uh, where and when and how can people find out more about the, you know, this, event, this event? Well, actually, there's very few seats left. It is uh, Thursday, August 31st at 5.30. The film is called She Started It. It's at Impact Hub in Honolulu at their new location on Queen Street. Uh, and what you can do is go to Eventbrite and you can put in She Started It and search for the event. I believe there's only a few seats left, and then there'll be a wait list after that as we're hoping to add more seats. Very good. So Tiffany from Hobnob, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me. And we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Ryan Gonzo Gonzalez, Brian Kamauli Kuwara, and Jocelyn Makiile Ishihara to talk about the intersection of traditional storytelling and game design. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Urgent Care Hawaii. I rely on it because I work at home. It's my companion. It's my window on the world. Once, when it went out, when AM 1380 went down those years ago, I am scarred for life, and I can never let that happen again. So I will throw money at this place. I will come in and answer phones forever, as long as I can. I'm Esther Shimazu, and I'm a sustaining member. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Joining us now, Ryan Gonzo Gonzalez. Brian Kamali Kuwara and Josh Jocelyn Makiile Ishihara. Gonzo is the network engagement director over at Kamehameha Schools. Brian, meanwhile, believes in the power and potential of Ea, of life, of breath, of rising, and of sovereignty. He is a PhD student in Indigenous Studies and Hawaiian Literature. And Makiile is a theater graduate from the University of Hawaii at Manoa, born and raised in Kaneohe. Oahu, and uh, she has worked on productions like Nakao Ahiiaka and My Poina. And of course, you know, how can traditional storytelling leverage new digital technologies? And we'll get into that. We want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Aloha. Aloha. Now, Gonzo, you know, I, I, I said you're the director of uh, this 
sort of network engagement and according to sort of your self-described involvement with you know this uh, uh, engagement that you currently went through you do stuff like you know help people fix their computers and give you know <laughs> I guess replace paper towels I mean all kinds of stuff right what, sure. you, maybe I should have you tell us exactly what do you do yeah, so I work at Kamehameha Schools in a department called Kealivi Komo'o um, under Dr. Kehaunani Abad, and we support uh, Hawaiian educational institutions that um, teach Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian mm-hmm, language mm-hmm. and Aina-based, project-based learning. Um, and I have an awesome team. Kamali's on that team. We do media. We do video games. We do comic books. Or we'd like to do more comic books. Um, finding the new O or, or the new channels for us to tell our traditional mo'olelo so that our culture lives in all these different places and we brought you in because we wanted to learn more about, for example, this game that Makiile is part of a team in designing. But perhaps uh, you could tell us, perhaps Kamoli, you could tell us the genesis of this overall project to combine uh, indigenous knowledge and traditional storytelling and game design. Sure, because um, one of the interesting things is when people look at indigenous practices and cultures, they always think, oh, you're you're just kind of rooted in the past. You're looking to the past. And... Um, what we want to do is remind people that uh, Hawaiians, indigenous Hawaiians, have always kind of taken up new technologies and that kind of thing. So if you look at our history, um, when Hawaiians became uh, nearly universally literate in the 19th century, that was a brand new technology that was kind of um, adopted by the entire population. Yeah, And so with these workshops, um, they're called Heo Ho. It's, uh, it means the new era, the new current, and it's a, kind of a way for us to get these traditional modes of storytelling into um, these new genres that mm-hmm. you know everybody's mm-hmm. so excited about. Uh, maybe Gonzo, can, can you kind of tell us a little bit how did the uh, you know I guess the whole project skins? I mean, how did that come to be? Because there was a lot of work going on behind the scenes before the workshop actually came to Hawaii. Yeah, absolutely. So this was the fifth iteration um, from Abtech and IIF. They're they're a uh, they're based in Montreal, Canada. And ABTIC stands for? Aboriginal Territories in Cyberspace. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and the two principals there, Skawanadi and Jason Lewis, who created this entire curriculum around telling uh, indigenous stories in video games. Uh, we were like, yes, let's totally do that. And so there was definitely a lot of collab- collaboration that happened um, between the two entities. Brian was very integral in bringing them here. And then um, Kehao, who... I mentioned earlier, she kind of made it happen behind the scenes to from the Kamehameha side, and we had this partnership that created this awesome opportunity for 15 students uh, from Hawaii to kind of learn. No technological experience necessary, just kind of love of Hawaii, aloha aina, um, real strong cultural grounding was the only prerequisite that we had for this workshop. Mm-hmm. So can you explain this workshop and uh, what was the intent and what flowed out from there? Oh. oh, so the workshop was called Heo Ho, Telling Stories Through, uh, Telling Mo'olalo Through Video Games. And it was the second in the series. Their first one was uh, Telling Mo'olalo Through Comic Books. And oh. what we w- wanted to have happen was, um, to one, was to seed this um, idea here, to seed kind of game programmers and game designers and storytellers in, in digital media in our community, um, you know, and, and kind of foster the ones that are already there. And, um, yeah, and that was kind of, what, in the three weeks, we um, they went through all this training. Um, some of them did come in with uh, programming ability and game design ability, um, but they they um, did their workshop and then they came up with a game and they had a playable levels of the game at the yes. end. So, Kamali, I mean, I wanted to find out the folks from Concordia, right, Concordia University. Uh, they came and they they have some expertise in a variety of different technologies. Uh, was there something unique about their sort of creation of this workshop that they uniquely could deliver versus, let's say, 
gain, gather, gathering a bunch of folks from Hawaii and have them sort of teach people Photoshop and you know different kinds of video editing and what have you. Right. What was different about them was that they're an indigenous-led um, group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very important for them that everything be indigenous-directed. So that, because when we tell our own stories, they're much different than when uh, other people tell our stories, and so. Um, yeah, even though we do have, you know, folks here who have a lot of those same kind of skills here, um, what we wanted was people who are starting from the same foundation that we mm-hmm. were. You know, we, we they work with the Mohawk um, community up there, up in Ganawage, and they really kind of pay attention to the importance of representation and getting um, stories out in a particular way, in a very respectful way. And so when we met with them up in Toronto at Imaginative, which is this kind of big digital media festival for indigenous people. Um, we just kind of clicked and we knew that they would be um, good folks to work with mm-hmm, on mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. So, Maki'ile, let's get to your story. I mean, a theater major near and dear to my heart, my daughter's heart. What was the path of that journey that led you to a game design and an indigenous practices workshop? I don't want to like promote any more of this but Facebook. <laughs> so I, I really was just scrolling one day and I saw the Mo'olelo through video games and that caught my eye immediately because everyone played a video game. My, my favorite was Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt. There are probably lots of people who remember that. Nintendo. And Super Mario, yes. Yeah. Um, so that was really exciting to see and I'm like, I've never heard of this Mo'olelo and video games. This is exciting. So just seeing where that whole thing would take it and storytelling is um, very very much a huge part of theater. So it was very exciting to bring those two loves together of playing games and um, telling stories. So, Makile, I mean, it, when you wanted to first get involved with this, was there any particular aspect of the storytelling that you wanted to get involved in? I mean, you, you're in theater, right? So you're already good at telling the story from a theatrical standpoint. But how did you align yourself with technology? I mean, what, what technology drew you in? All of it. Oh, no, it was coming from um, not knowing really what what m- different interfaces they're working with and how to build it, because that would be really interesting to see. And being able to take those tools and then be able to put that forward and teach it or use it to build even more things. Mm-hmm. That was the most um, attractive aspect of this workshop. Did you envision perhaps a different way of thinking versus theater where it might be a presentation to a group uh, versus something that's interactive where things that happen in the story mm. might change as a result of the participants in, in the story? Interesting. So um, the building aspect and the working aspect is very much like theater. So before you have a production coming out, mm. you have to plan it, you have meetings, you have big production meetings with um, directors, artistic designers, and all the whole lot coming together so it was really cool to see the parallels that came out and that it's i thought going into this it was just for techie people and i'm like i'm not a techie person i'm not but um seeing that everyone can do this at least an aspect Mm -hmm. you know you love telling a story perfect let's make it into a game or you can tell them something you know you have a voice and you have a talent that you can add to this industry and it's amazing can you can you share some of the actual technical platforms that they were sharing with us or they're teaching all the students that were part yes. of this yes so they were using um, After Effects Photoshop mm-hmm. Blender uh, Unity the Blender and Unity are both um, open source and free so that was kind of important to them to have these software that are already available the After Effects and Photoshop are not <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. they were getting it that you don't have to have the big bucks to be able to make a video game. You can be at home and have it done in your backyard kind of thing. Gonzo, can you talk a little bit more about the technology platforms that were used? Obviously, open source has benefit in the sense that it's widely available and um, ways that you could develop or design something that could have broader reach. Well, I think technology in general has um, progressed to a point where 
like you look at it in, in the music industry, everybody's got their home studio mm-hmm. now, and you're creating like uh, album ready music that's directly available. Similarly, uh, in the video game space, I think with stuff like game engines like Unity um, that are free and available, they're they're getting into the hands of creatives or even hobbyists so that they can build what they're thinking. Um, and that's the beauty of it. And now that uh, the internet is upon us and it, it's, it's connecting everybody, you have that built-in distribution network to then share your um, idea out there. Um, and the, you know, some people might say that there's a lot of noise out there, but I, I do think there is a nice space out there that's waiting for us to kind of um, claim uh, as indigenous peoples uh, in this space. And so that's why it was really important for us to hold this particular workshop and then maybe some of the subsequent stuff that we want to do afterwards um, to have our voice out there in, in as we move towards the future. Now, now Kamoli, you uh, and, and Gonzo, you are part of the organizing team. Yep. So you would take people like Maki'ile, right? And they're, they're sort of like the, st- the students, right? And, and so how would you folks look at your role going forward in terms of continuing to nurture that student cohort that participated in this workshop? Yeah, well, I think we, we, we're mostly here to be kind of the gardeners to like, you know, make sure that they get enough water, make sure they have enough uh, fertile soil for them to grow in. So, um, you know, Kamehameha has a decent amount of resources. And so we are um, kind of there to help um, kind of leverage those resources to make sure that they don't lose the momentum that they gained coming out of this workshop because they really formed this amazing team over mm-hmm. the course of three weeks. And, you know, they're like racehorses now, so we have to give them space <laughs> to run. You know, we can't just put them in the, you know, put them back in the stable kind right. of thing. So, uh-huh. yeah, so we're just kind of looking for ways to keep them moving. Uh-huh. Mike Ile, I'd like to hear about what you decided to develop or design. Did you build a game? Are you working on a game right now? Yes, so it's in its um, post-production phase, and wow. it's getting refined. So that's going to be exciting when it comes out. We'll be sure to let you know. But, um, yeah, for the video game aspect, this is an amazing opportunity for us to kind of bring to light that Olelo Hawaii is alive and well. And then we incorporate that in the game. So the game is called Heiau Ho, uh, New World, Kanaka in Space. That's, a, <laughs> that's an endearing title for many of us. So, uh, interestingly enough, one of the leaders of the project, Skawanadi, put the question what do indigenous people look like in the future and why don't we and how would you see yourselves there and they're very you're very much there we're not going to die off by that time so what does it look like and that question kind of sparked everyone's interest and piqued it and um it to put us on that trajectory like yeah what we what would we look like in space that's pretty cool so and then combining and finding that happy medium incorporating the mo'olelo and stories of hawaii that um we all know to love today and there are stories that aren't well-known as like Momotaro or Urushimataro. I, we oh, grew up with those. Ma- many people are familiar with these stories. But what about Kaulu? Does anyone know that name? Mm-hmm. You know, and we should. He was an amazing, he is an amazing person. You know, and there's so many more heroes and stories that we want to get in there, but we have a few. So you <laughs> so, mentioned uh, Olelo Hawaii. Is uh, Hawaiian language the primary uh, uh, language of this game? Yes, it is. Yeah. And I'm very proudly to say, yes, it absolutely is. Um, we have the option to also, so it's not exclusive, the option to translate into English for those who would like it. Um, the English translation is only in text so far. Um, I don't know if we'll be moving to that, but I'll go talk with the group and we'll see if we'll have a audio available as well. So you, um, I mean, I was going to ask you that question, but you've already started to answer it. And, and that is, you know, how did the, the concept of the story evolve? So it, it sort of started with the question about, mm-hmm. you know, what are you, what are Native people going to be like in the future? Now, you took it to, the, to space, right? And so are, were, were you guys thinking about things like how 
let's say traditional cultures reflected in let's say the the Starship Enterprise. I mean, <laughs> how do you <laughs> science you know, fiction? Right. I mean, how yeah. do you how do you continue to uphold your your traditions in a you know let's say the the um, I don't know the twenty seventh century, right? I mean, so mm. how did that how did that discussion take place in your team? Our uh, our discussions took a little longer than expected. <laughs> um, we all had these amazing ideas, and all of us brought such strong ideas and stories to the table. And it was really, it was interesting to see how we could incorporate everyone's ideas because they were so awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, we wanted to give homage to our culture and our mo'olelo. So how do we get that? You know, do we have the right story? Are there the right heroes? What do we want to mm-hmm. do? And we decided to go with a um, fabricated or a made story. That one of our people, Makana, she had given to us about two siblings finding each other. And mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome. Because, mm. you know, siblings, you, like, you want to be close to one another. Family is important. Um, so, and from that, we started weaving in these hints from other mo'olelo, like kamapua'a, pele, hi'iaka, hi'iaki, polio pele. Um, I got to give a shout out to Nakawa Hi'iaka, which opens this weekend. Woot, woot. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. Yeah, no, but um, yeah. So and then along the way, so you're encountering all of these different aspects culturally. And it's not just Hawaiian culture. We threw in some like little Easter eggs for you all. So mm-hmm. um, pigeon, like na 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 na. So you're going to see <laughs> you're going to see some really it. fun things in there, even if you're not Hawaiian. And I think what's interesting, uh, you brought up Starship Enterprise and just mm-hmm. uh, what sci-fi is. There's a lot of colonization that happens in, in sci-fi from a Western perspective. Sure, right. In this particular mm-hmm. game, how they incorporated, when they went to different worlds, it wasn't about taking something or conquering something. Mm-hmm. It was about growing and working with the uh, living forms that were present on that planet to make it stronger and more thriving and, li- and living. And um, at each step of the way, um, they left the place better than they had found it, So, mm-hmm. which is very in line with indigenous thinking. So, I mean, And they came up with that on their own. So that was... Right. It was mind-blowing. Yeah, no, that's great. Kamali, in terms of uh, when these games are find their audience and find players, I mean, what is it that you specifically want to inspire or leave with them after they also have a good time playing a fun game? Um, well, I, I want them to remember that this landscape is storied with our mo'olelo, yeah? And I think one of the interesting things is if you look at the word for version of mo'olelo, it's mana, yeah? And we all know what mana is. And so every time you retell the story, you give mana to certain things. And so I think it's important for us to kind of keep telling these stories and kind of and, – and they're fun, you know. I mean, like, they make really cool games. And if we keep retelling them, um, I think it kind of shifts how people connect with land and connect with the, the planet, you know. Because when we were talking about, you know, what do indigenous people do in the 27th century, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, right now in the Pacific, there are island groups that are wondering what they are going to do because – the, the ocean is claiming their mm-hmm. island, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing I, we want people to think about that different way of interacting with the world and interacting with the future. Now, Kamoli, you have said that you are watering and fertilizing and trying to nurture the students to continue development of their game. I am excited from what I'm hearing. When am I going to be able to download the game and actually play it? Well, um, as Maki Ile said, it's in post-production right now. So what the, the way it works with the workshop is that the folks from Concordia, they take a two-week break after the workshop because they need it. Uh-huh. Um, but then they also spend two weeks then polishing, two weeks polishing everything and making sure that everything works and that they can kind of add in some stuff that the um, participants wanted to add or that didn't get time to, to get um, worked into the build. And then um, 
then they turn all of the code over to the participants because for in this curriculum the participants own everything like that that becomes their story becomes their game and mm. so they get to do what they want with it after so it, when they decide it's ready to come out then it'll come out well Makile, what do you see as your envision for the launch of this where would you like to see it everywhere everywhere <laughs> everywhere billboard so station and, and and steam yes, and all of that absolutely great and gonzo i mean where, can can people kind of Go somewhere, some link that you can share that people can kind of get an idea as to the progress of this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, right now, the best place to do that is facebook.com slash kanaeokana, K-A-N-A-E-O-K-A-N-A. Um, if I had that, I'll put that up on the show notes. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll send, send you the link. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll send you the link. Um, could I just say a quick thank you to our, our partner, um, Halawi Nana, and uh, oh, yes. the physical space and the aina there in Mo'ili'ili was super very important in the process so mahalo well Ryan Gonzo Gonzalez uh, Brian Kamauli Kawada and Jocelyn Makile Ishihara all are part of the team developing this new game and I want to see it so <laughs> let me know thanks for joining us today thanks mahalo for having me. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week, and we're going to talk about IT innovation and state government. Of course, if you miss any edition, or miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks, and you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our excellent executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And we wish you a great week. Stay safe, and we will see you back here next week for another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Hey.